Welcome to Tapeheads. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. This is the podcast where we select either a VHS tape from Lindsay's collection or my collection, and then we talk about it. This episode definitely being one from <laughs> Lindsay's collection. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. Why, why don't you tell us about what you picked? I picked the classic Disney film, Man of the House, starring Chevy Chase. Is it Chevy? Not Chevy? Um, I think it's whichever. I think he's fine with whatever. Okay, starring Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas in his prime, right out of Home Improvement and Lion King. Yeah, this is his live-action theatrical debut. He was only known for... Home Improvement, and being the voice of young Simba in The Lion King. So, the more you know. (laughs) And it takes place in Seattle. The movie came out in 1995, and it really just follows a boy who loves his mom so much he wants to torture the man she's in love with. Yeah, it's one of those classic uh, You're Not My Dad movies where the stepdad is just thrown through a gauntlet of petty tortures until the kid finally decides that, oh, he's okay. Yeah, because he really is just pretty okay. He's he's a really nice guy. I was on Chevy Chase's side this entire film. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is a little bit of a whiny bitch. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot to talk about with JTT. Uh, A lot to unpack with JTT, as always. (laughs) He's a very complicated little man. We're getting ahead of ourselves. There were quite a few ads before this uh this our feature presentation as it were five of them to be exact five ads before the movie started and as Lindsay pointed out disney knows what they're doing when it comes to pre-feature advertisements they do not waste their time and the thing is like i watch these ads over and over and over again i feel like i know the movies although i think i only saw a few of them We kick things off with the threequel to Aladdin, Aladdin and the Prince of Thieves. Was this one you grew up with? I think I watched it once. We had it on VHS, but I didn't like it. Yeah, you know, if if you didn't realize that there were sequels to Aladdin, that's okay, because these went directly to video. Yeah, did they have an Aladdin TV show? Because I know I watched the Little Mermaid TV show, and then when I tell people that existed, they get confused. (laughs) Disney put out a lot of these during the 90s, just these direct-to-video sequels to films that did really well theatrically. Um, I never saw this, but I remember as a kid seeing Return of Jafar, the the one that came before this, and just even at that age, being really cynical about it. The next ad is for the Aristocats, which was a favorite of mine. I remember seeing this, but I don't remember much about it. Can you can you tell us what what this is about? It's about a family of cats. It's a, it's a, a, a... singing, dancing kitties is what I gathered from the yeah. Ad. It's 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 a musical of cats, but it's not cats the musical. All right, next we got Gordy, which is apparently just a complete ripoff of Babe. Once again, we have a talking pig getting into antics. Now this is one that I did see. Do, do you remember this one? I I remember the ad. I don't I don't know if I saw the movie. I just cannot remember it. It's not memorable. I like that there's all these movies that you know solely as being ads on your VHS <laughs> copy of Man of the House starring JTT. 
Um, although this next one I think was definitely a touchstone for our generation. It was Heavyweights. Oh yeah. The Fat Kids Summer Camp movie starring Ben Stiller. Really terrifying Ben Stiller. The the way that the ad plays this out is that the the kids are just having the time of their lives eating candy at this camp. Until fascist Ben Stiller comes in and actually makes them work out, and he is punished for it. In all of his spandex, just screaming like a wild man with long hair. And I'm pretty sure this is a role that he reprised in Dodgeball. It's I don't know if it's the same role, but it's definitely similar. Like, I feel like they wrote Dodgeball with him in mind. Okay, so we're in our fifth ad. We're already exhausted, and the movie hasn't started. But this one actually looked pretty promising, and it was not one that I grew up with. Um, It's called Tall Tale. Yeah, this is another one that I'm pretty sure I saw at least once, but I do definitely remember the ad. In the early 20th century, a kid summons Patrick Swayze, Oliver Platt, and John Henry in the form of these... Like, mythical Western figures who who bail him out of trouble. And Patrick Swayze is Pecos Bill, and he seems to just steal the show. So, Man of the House, what is this movie about, Lindsay? Well, the story's pretty simple, really. It's a young boy, played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, whose father has left him when he was a really young child, so he doesn't really trust anybody. And he just it's just he and his mom, and they have the perfect life in their apartment in Seattle, and suddenly this asshole comes in and is trying to take his mom away, and so JTT tries to get back at him by making him do nerdy, dorky things, and they kind of, there's a back and forth, and eventually he's won over, and he gains a new father, and they live happily ever after. And the focus, really, of the movie is the nerdy dorky thing is the YMCA Indian Guides Club. This is yeah. a this is a club of uh, mostly stepdads and their stepsons. Stepdads desperate to connect with their stepsons who do not like them. It's four dads or stepdads and their four kids. There's eight kids total. There's eight people total in this club. Yeah. And they make Indian arts and crafts together. <laughs> they go on hikes. They go uh, river rafting. It's kind of like the Boy Scouts, but with an it's a weird Native American bent to it. With a weird Native American cultural appropriation bent to it. And it's it's so weird because they're all, like, super white. And then you see these guys sitting around. And there's the leader, the chief, is uh, wearing his blight, a bright blue headdress to kind of oversee their crafts projects. Later on... Um... Chevy Chase, who plays basically the protagonist of the film, in my mind, I think that the I think that he's kind of the main character here. I don't know. I, I feel like it's pretty evenly split between him and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. This is his first real vehicle. Yeah, I and... felt like there was there was an equal amount of character development between their two characters. Let's talk about JTT a little bit. <laughs> his fashion in this is pure 90s oh it's classic it's beautiful so many hoodies hoodies on hoodies tie-dye weird cartoon characters emblazoned on the front my favorite is the gangsta daffy duck shirt that he wears (laughs) and the mom is played by farrah fawcett Mm -hmm. and she's gorgeous as usual 
So, you know, at the when we first started this movie, I really thought I kind of had it figured out, especially with the title Man of the House. I really thought it was going to be a story of kind of this one-upmanship between the two of them, where they're both kind of fighting for the affection of Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> there, there's pranks early on in the movie where, like, JTT sabotages Chevy Chasley's in the shower, you know, mm-hmm. the old pulling the faucet to make the water steaming hot trick. I thought it was going to be like that for the whole movie, that they would just kind of be these these pranks isolated in their huge Seattle loft. Yeah. That they'd just be sort of fighting it out and Farrah Fawcett would be oblivious to it or constantly blaming Chevy Chase for everything that goes wrong. But I was surprised to see it really just shift focus to this kind of outdoorsy Indian guide film. I mean, that's the focus of the movie. It really becomes the focus of the movie. And it's kind of weird because when you talk about that, I realize like... Because you came into this without any expectations, whereas I already knew how it went, although I did not remember this movie very well or ever think about it as a kid. It's kind of, it's weird because they got Farrah Fawcett in there and they have so many missed opportunities. It seems like they could have done a lot more with this movie, but then they decided to go after this Native American angle that's so odd and not really appropriate. It's just kind of, it's it's just really weird how they did that i'm still trying to figure out why they made that choice yeah you know there's a lot there's it's almost like a few movies kind of fighting for dominance this whole time because there's this whole subplot also where chevy chase is a lawyer and he's put this big mob boss away and the son of the mob boss swears vengeance (laughs) in the immediately following the trial and so for the rest of the film these mobsters are following following Chevy Chase around as he goes to all his dorky Indian guide club meetings. <laughs> and they're so cartoonish, too. Like, it's such a Disney movie because these mobsters are just straight out of the, like, stereotype playbook. And this is prior to The Sopranos. So it's like they're not Jersey guys wearing uh, track suits. They're Jersey <laughs> guys in suits. Which, in suits in the forest yeah. running after children. Yeah, so... The third act of this movie takes a really weird turn because it basically becomes First Blood. It's Rambo <laughs> 1, where the Indian Guide Club, which again is four hapless stepdads and their four dorky kids. One of the step stepdads who suggests that all the kids and and the adults make up eight people to fight off the mobsters. So of course we'll fight off the mobsters. We don't need the police. Yeah, there's a safety in numbers because it's four dads and four kids armed with like tomahawks and bow and arrows against three dudes with guns. We're talking small kids. These kids come up to Chevy Chase's sh- like elbow yeah they're tiny kids it's interesting because it becomes like this survival action movie in the whole last third farrah fawcett is nowhere to be seen (laughs) the whole crux of the movie that you know gtt was trying to protect his mom from another bozo like that really gets swept aside in favor of let's have chevy chase gtt and a bunch of these kids and dads fight mobsters in the woods dressed as indians what i would have liked to see is farrah fawcett get a bow and arrow and run after mobsters in the woods but it's a boy club no ladies allowed yeah it's it's really odd you know this is a movie that has a strange relationship with gender and race oh yeah race obviously with the whole native american thing 
you know, because they are, this club is really just a bunch of white guys, like, appropriating Indian culture. It's bad. <laughs> and as luck would have it, Chevy Chase meets this Native American guy during one of his trials. Who he offends. Yeah, he, he, uh, well, it was one of JTT's hilarious pranks where he knew that Chevy Chase is allergic to face paint, and so he painted up, Which, like, a happy face on his forehead. How he figured this out, I don't really know, but he... Chevy Chase shows up to court with war paint to do his, uh, whatever court case with the local Native American tribe, but somehow that turns into this Native American guy joining up with their club and training them all how to use bow and arrows and tomahawks, and now they're legitimized, and it's totally politically correct, guys, because we mentioned <laughs> the word political correctness, the, the, the phrase, and therefore... This is not appropriation or bad at all. Yeah, there's an ex there's a direct quote where Chevy Chase is being dressed down for coming into court with a face paint rash. And there's a guy who says, it's the 90s. Haven't you heard of political correctness? <laughs> oh, but let's get back to there is a great rain dance montage oh that, the, that the wise Indian man oversees. And is then astounded because these white boys and white men are able to bring the rain. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it, this montage ends with them successfully conjuring rain. And it is Seattle, granted. Yeah. So it does rain all the goddamn time. But you kind of get the sense that, this, that these white guys have figured out how to do it. They've tapped into the the uh, magic Indian power. Well, that's why they're able to take on mobsters with guns at, when they only have tomahawks and bow and arrows at the end of the movie. So, you know, they're totally successful Indian warriors. During that rain dance montage, they become proficient in all kinds of Indian weaponry. They can throw tomahawks at people. They can use bow and arrows. JTT becomes a deadeye in yeah. no time. Suddenly he's Robin Hood, just slicing through previous and arrows. There are a couple costume changes, but really it's probably only a week that passes. Well, they get cool sweatshirts. Yeah, at they the do. End that I guess that Farrah Fawcett <laughs> made, that was her contribution to the second half of the movie. That was her entire contribution. She just disappears and i feel like she could have been much more present because she's there to serve as the catalyst to jt and uh, jt and t jt and t jtt and chevy chase's rivalry but then once that's set up it's pretty much just like a buddy comedy between yeah. the two of them it's weird because we we I had to rewatch the ending because I wanted to make sure that they were actually the mothers of all the the Native American club boys in the wedding at the end. And the mothers are all there, but they're partially cut out of the shot, although this is made to fit your television. <laughs> yeah, formatted to fit your screen. Yeah, but... Um, they're all there, but they all look pissed off at the men, and they're not any fun. Like we were talking about, there was this missed opportunity where they could have had Silent Thunder, our wonderful miming circus man. <laughs> One of the dads, yeah. Yeah, he, he loves putting on shows and he does like a Charlie Chaplin bit and all this stuff and he and his son do all these like physical things. They're always slapping each other's hands and doing these different like patterned hand dances. I don't really know what that's called. Patty cake stuff. Yeah, it's like all pantomime stuff that they're doing together. And I felt like it was an opportunity to show the mom. Yeah. She could be doing the pantomime stuff, too. Like, she's in on it, too. But instead, she just looks at her son 
and husband and just like, where did I go wrong? She just, <laughs> you just see her face melt. Because the, the women, they, they just don't get it. And it kind of implies that this Indian Guides Club is just as much an escape for these henpecked husbands as it is for these boys who are picked on at school. Yeah. But getting back to the racial thing, like, I don't know, the film also tries to pretend to be racially diverse by having the Indian guy join in, and he's legitimizing everything they're doing. And then you have the friend, Monroe, who's black, who really doesn't develop as a character, except at the end, he's kind of like, oh, I guess the Indian guides might be kind of cool. Maybe I'll wear this headdress thing. Yeah, it's important to mention that within the world of this movie, the Indian Guides Club is super lame. Like, kids are getting beat up at JTT's school. I mean, that's part of the reason why he picked it to kind of embarrass Chevy Chase. He assumed that it would be so lame that Chevy Chase would drop out and Farrah Fawcett would see that and see that he's not a good father figure. Mm Mm-hmm. But slowly, not only does JTT get super into it, legitimately into it, but by the end of the movie, his cool black friend Monroe is also like donning the the Indian headdress and all of that stuff, or the feather. He's he's not going full headdress. Not full headdress. You gotta start small. You gotta start small. But it's it's also worth mentioning just how resourceful JTT's character is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't have a... I mean, he has sort of this workstation up in his room at the Seattle Loft. <laughs> and he's got a computer, uh, which is, I mean, I guess not super rare for a kid in the mid-90s. But they make it out to seem like he's really kind of brilliant. And he watches all these kind of grown-up shows like Maury. And he... <laughs> I mean, and then he's he's always quoting weird psychological conditions and things. Like, they try to make him a little adult. He's obsessed with serial killers. He's convinced that Chevy Chase is just there to, quote, boil our heads in acid. And that's a recurring thing that he says. Who does that? And he looks up in his, like, thick volume of serial killers. He, uh, he, he either he or Farrah Fawcett owns an encyclopedia of serial oh, killers. Oh, no, that was, that was Chevy Chase's. Oh, I guess it makes sense because he's a lawyer. But yeah. he looks up Chevy Chase's name in the index and he's like, well, he's not there yet. <laughs> it means they just haven't caught him yet. And later on in the movie, uh, how the whole mafia thing comes to a head is they finally catch JTT and Chevy Chase... And the mobsters have them in this cavern, and they're ready to blow it up with dynamite to cave them uh, to ke- to keep them trapped in there. It's a really overly elaborate plan, kind of like a James Bond villain. And JTT suggests all these more creative ways that they could be killing them, including wrapping them up in rawhide and throwing them off a cliff so that their organs smash up. This is from a Disney movie. (laughs) So that their organs smash up and their guts come out of the rawhide like toothpaste. And Jimmy Chase just has the perfect reaction to that because he looks at his stepson. He's like, oh, my God, this kid's messed up. I don't know. I, the thing is, those are the lines that I remembered when I well, was Well, yeah, kid. I mean, they I think it's great. Fu- so funny. I think it's great. I mean, you would not see that in a, today's kids' movies because I feel like they're just focus-grouped into being so mundane. Yeah. Whereas in the 90s, you would get kind of these really weird tidbits like... Hey, let's make a 90s... Uh, no, they wouldn't say let's make a 90s movie in the 90s. But they would say, let's make sort of a family comedy where the kid is just kind of obsessed with serial killers. And we'll get Chevy Chase in there. 
and uh, and Chevy Chase is sort of a lawyer, so he probably could notice all these latent homicidal tendencies in JTT. <laughs> but I don't know. I really enjoyed both of their performances. And... I think I just realized why they don't have any pets in their apartment. Yeah. JTT's <laughs> just slowly been taking them out into the woods and torturing them. I have to say that I sympathize. I mean, I guess we're supposed to sympathize with Chevy Chase because he's yeah. really put through the ringer. The poor guy's just trying to to find love in this mixed up world. And... Well, and they make him really likable. Like they work really hard to make him likable. And you know, you can understand JTT is just looking out for his mom, but some of the lengths that he goes to to keep them <laughs> apart are crazy. He mandates a no sex policy. I mean, he doesn't say it in so many words, but he makes Chevy Chase sleep in the living room because of quote like mental trauma. He, he's going to suffer mental trauma. He probably picked this up from Maury. Yeah. But uh and then he kind of polices them. Like, he keeps coming out of his room to check. He better not be banging down there. <laughs> I, I do not. That was not a lot. I, was, I think movie. that's a direct quote that from the movie. That is not a quote I think from he, the movie. Yeah. But Chevy Chase just can't get anything right. He screws up breakfast. They're kind okay, of... this is a man. This is, He is a lawyer. He used a blender without the lid on it on high. Come on. Well, maybe he was thinking, maybe he was, you know, absent-minded. He was thinking about the Scolari brothers case and you know he just was off somewhere else this is also a man that doesn't know how to recycle so clearly he doesn't care about the planet when they're sitting around the circle in the Indian Guides Club and uh, JTT and Chevy Chase are joining in they have to they have to pick their own Indian names and they're wait they choose for each other it's like a trust exercise I guess yeah and uh, Chevy Chase is really nice he picks what was it it was uh Little Wing. Yeah, after the Jimi Hendrix yeah, song. he decides to name JTT Little Wing, which is really it's cute. It's kind of sweet, yeah. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's it is kind of, of it is kind of height-shaming, but... <laughs> it, is, it is, yeah. So, JTT's response when asked, well, what do you want to call him, is Squatting Dog. Because you know he's just being a little asshole. Well, he's, he's naming Chevy Chase after a dog he used to have who had the runs. Oh, that was totally a lie, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he also mentions a squirrel that he used to have named Num Nuts. Which was my favorite line as a kid, because Chevy Chase was like, well, wait, did you have any other pets growing up? <laughs> and then JTT says, I had a squirrel named Num Nuts. I had a squirrel named Num Nuts before I killed it out in the woods. Which is probably what happened. <laughs> probably what happened. So, why did you pick this movie? What's your history with this VHS copy of Man of the House? I'm trying to remember. I don't know why this movie really stuck out in my head. Um, when I think back, I watched it a lot as a kid. And usually, like, if I had friends over and they hadn't seen it, then I'd have them watch it. But this is all up until, like, maybe age seven. I really don't know if I watched it much at all after that. Because I was really stuck on this movie. I really loved Jingle All the Way. And I really was into uh, Homeward Bound, the whole Homeward Bound series. And I just kind of lumped this movie in with those. And I didn't remember it at all. I was kind of shocked re-watching it because I really am seeing it through new eyes. And it's just kind of a bizarre experience. It's really not the movie I remembered. Oh. <laughs> well, not in a negative way. It's still kind of interesting, although there are definitely some negatives. Yeah, you know, I actually don't remember hearing about this movie when it was out, at least, unless I've just completely forgotten about it. 
I was well acquainted with the rest of JTT's oeuvre of this time. Uh, and, I mean, I, I obviously Lion King, uh, Tom and Huck, yeah. Home Improvement, but this I had not heard of. And when you mentioned Man of the House, all I could think of was the Tommy Lee Jones movie where he's babysitting <laughs> cheerleaders. Which I've never heard of. We might have to do that later on. We'll see. We'll put the Man of the House uh, films to the test. But, but that was movie, much later. That was ten years later. Yeah, and this movie, we looked it up. We checked out the Wikipedia page because we do all that great research to make this <laughs> podcast great. But anyway, we checked the Wikipedia page, and it was a commercial success, even though it was critically panned. It had a pretty big budget. It's a, you know, I was remarking to Lindsay while we were watching this that it really has a lot of production value. They clearly shot at least uh, at least some of it in Seattle. There's some, mm-hmm. you know, they have all these aerial shots of the city uh the stuff in the wilderness looks great and jtt had to be asking quite a bit of money at this time yeah i hope he got to keep that awesome wardrobe i'm sure he did i'm sure he wears it to the stakes it still fits um yeah this is a 20 million dollar budget for this movie <laughs> which you know in, in 95 is pretty big and it doubled its budget so i why they didn't make a sequel is beyond me Probably because they realized what political correctness actually is. So, we've talked a lot about Man of the House. I think it's time to decide. Buy it, rent it, tape over it. Lindsay, this is your tape. Obviously, you loved it a lot as a kid. What do you say now? It's really hard to say. I'm going to say rent it, I think. Oh, interesting. I, en- I enjoyed rewatching it, and it is kind of interesting to see something through totally different eyes when you're older, and you've kind of, like, learned things about the world, and you realize when female characters are completely sidelined and just extra. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say rent it, because I still have a certain fondness for it. There is a part of me that's thinking tape over it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold with a rent it. I'm with you. I'm somewhere between rent it and tape over it. Watching it with you and seeing it kind of through your eyes, I'm definitely more on the rent it side. I think it's a really fun kind of cultural art- artifact. Uh, had I been watching it on my own, I probably wouldn't have made it through all the way, though, I have to admit. So, putting all my feelings aside, I think I am going to have to say tape over it. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy watching it, uh, so I'm almost tempted to recommend it, but I think a lot of that... I think, well, that's what a rent it is, in all honesty, is you are recommending people watch it once. I'm thinking rent it for people that saw it as a kid and want to revisit. Like a qualified rent it. Also, if you're into Chevy Chase, you're into JTT, you'll probably like it. If you're into Farrah Fawcett, not so much, because she's really sidelined, as we said. Yeah, there's a lot of really great physical comedy in this movie, and that's, that's fun, that's good. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Um, I'm gonna give it a light tape over it. It's I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it enough to run out and tell people to to yeah. check it out. It also just does not age well at all. After 20 years, it's a movie that I don't think could be released today at all. Um, I, I realize I've been really hard on JTT this episode, and uh, I want to temper that by saying that a lot of his movies I really did enjoy. I think maybe this is a, a certain actor that we can revisit in the future, hint, hint. <laughs> maybe around the holiday season, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, we got Rent It from Lindsay and Tape Over It from me. Qualified Rent It from Lindsay. <laughs> and a qualified Tape Over It from me. 
So, uh, what were you going to watch in the next episode, Sean? Well, as you know, I'm a big horror movie buff, so I was looking to get a scary movie on the podcast. Um, There are a couple titles that I was thinking of, but I was was really thinking of this certain period... uh, I like to call it kind of the late 90s Kevin Williamson era, where <laughs> I trace it from Scream in 1996. A classic. To, uh, yeah, a great, a great film. And all the way to, like, Scary Movie, which kind of killed it <laughs> once and for all, because at that point, because Scream was already a parody of horror movies, and Scary Movie was a parody of a parody of Scary Movie, so at that point, it had just eaten itself up. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Next week, we will be doing the 1997 Jennifer Love Hewitt starring (laughs) I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, yeah. And I have not seen this movie in a long time. All bets are off. Um, I remember liking it, but thinking it was vastly inferior to Scream. Uh But we'll see. uh, Have you seen this movie? Yes. Okay. I have, actually. How long ago did you see it? I'm trying to remember. I cannot remember. I might have seen it. I might have seen it in middle school. Yeah, it definitely skews young. And, you know, it's got a great late 90s cast. It's got Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ryan Phillippe, Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, what's his name? (laughs) Freddie (laughs) Prinze Jr. (laughs) That's Uh, how they met and got married. Oh, that's right. I mean... Aside from the from like scream the scream franchise and maybe Scooby Doo, you don't get much better with when it comes to uh, late nineties casts. So yeah, next week I know what you did last summer. I would like to thank Will Price for use of his song "Mandatory Groove." You can check out more of Will's music at SoundCloud.com/slash/Gargantulon. You can also check us out online TapeHeadsPodcast.com. You can also find us on Sci... On Sci Scoons. <laughs> on Sci Scoons. <laughs> you can find us on Sci Scoons. Uh, That's www.scoons.com. <laughs> you can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe, leave a nice review, maybe share us. Yeah, get the word out there, because, you know, we're, we're an up-and-coming, hungry podcast, so... So let all your friends know if you, if they think uh, if you think they might be into this. So that'll do it for this episode of Tape Heads. I've been Lindsay. I've been JTT. I, oh, I'm sorry. I've been Sean. You, you've already confused your identity. I'm, JTT does this to me. I mean, Who am are, I? You are wearing a tie dye hoodie right now. So. I'm two tie dye hoodies <laughs> and a gangsta Daffy Duck shirt. Oh man! Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>